Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time. A lot of things we celebrated today, from birthdays of a four-year-old to the dedication of a newborn to littles on the way, Father. Now, Father, would you calm our minds, let us hear from you so we can be able to just be connected to you a little bit closer. We thank you for those present physically and those present virtually. May you calm our distractions so we can hear from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Occasionally, uh, wifey and I will get away for a date night. And I got to say occasionally, because if I say that it happens too often, she going to roll her eyes like, mm-hmm. Mm, about 40% of that time, I get my brother Johnny a call, because Johnny, like, knows where to eat. And we got a similar taste palette, and that brother, he, he, he throws down. But depending on what food I want determines sometimes who I call. So sometimes I'll call a person, and I can, I can kind of tell the difference between somebody that's telling me something that they heard about and somebody telling me something that they experienced. So I call a friend. I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, got, I'm in the mood for some chicken. And somebody like, yeah, you know, this spot got wings. And, um, you know, they got like maybe about six or seven different sauces. Uh, they, make, they make good lemonade. I'm like, okay, okay. But if I call somebody, I'm like, hey, I'm trying to get some chicken. They like some chicken. Man, let me tell you about this spot that start, you know, marinating their chicken three days ahead of time before you taste it. The herbs is just coming through. Like, like trust me, this is the spot you want to go to. Like, you know. By the way they talking about the food, they done been there. They had an experience. They ain't telling you about something on Yelp. They ain't telling you about something they heard about somebody else. They're giving you a personal testimony. Bruh, the grease tastes good. I had too much grease, and the grease was amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you can tell when somebody testifying about the food or when they just, you know, word of mouth and you telling you what somebody else then went through. Family, this is the same posture we are to have with God. There is the difference between a person that may just have some head knowledge, may just have heard about God through somebody else, and someone that has experienced him personally and has a testimony. We've been talking a bit about the beauty of evangelism, of how God wants to use us as his people to encourage others in the gospel. And today we will talk about the power and the beauty of your testimony your first-hand experience with God and sharing that with others. Would you turn with me to John chapter 4? John chapter 4. Right before, as you are turning there and somebody's going to tell me that page number in a minute, our church has this posture of, of, of communicating like our heartbeat, our rhythm. And if you want to know the heartbeat of, of Macav Community Church, you can just thump four times and say, so, no, grow, go. So, no, grow, go. 
It is the heartbeat by which our church moves. And so we want to be sowing seeds of the gospel so that people who don't know about Jesus get a chance to hear about him. We want to have our minds wrapped around who God is. We want to know who God is so we can go deeply in him and know who we are. We want to grow in godly character so we won't just have head knowledge, but our lives will start to look like Jesus. And then we want to go out to the world. We want to be serving in ways and in places where people get a chance to experience God. And today, as we talk about your testimony, my testimony, it'll be hitting on some of these different heartbeats of who we are as a church as we sow, know, grow, and go. What page is that for John chapter 4, somebody? Mm. 1514, amen. (laughs) 1514, starting at verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground uh, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Um, Where's my youth? If you are uh, 10 years old or younger, stand up for me. Well, let's say 11 and younger. Stand up for me. Okay, if you have ever, uh, if you ever hurt yourself, raise your hand. Okay. If you have ever, um, uh, cried in your life, raise your hand, okay? If you've ever been exhausted, like really, really tired, raise both your hands. Guess what? (laughs) Jesus knows what you've been through. Okay, y'all can sit down. Y'all can sit down. Jesus has felt hungry before. Jesus has felt pain before, and Jesus knows what it's like to, to have felt exhaustion, to be tired. And, and I want to make sure that, that even when we think of this God, the God that we love, the God that we serve, we don't remove. There are some characteristics of who he is that we just can't Im- Pastor Leon does not know all things, and you don't either. There's some parts of God's character that, that we just can't know. But there's some aspects where he says, I know exactly what you've been through, that hurt, that sadness, that pain, exhaustion. I know what it's like to travel long and then be so tired, them feet and them bunions start acting up, so you need to go ahead and sit down for a minute. And that's what happens in verse 6. He sits down at this well because he's tired. Continue with me in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water... Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. This was a, 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 a surprise, uh, a, a, a big surprise. It's almost as if she's saying, hold up. You ain't got no business talking to me. What you doing talking to me, Jesus? 
there are there are two levels of 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 difference that separate her from Jesus. This is a, 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 a the Samaritan community is a community of people that once were Jews, then the Jews were kicked out of the town. There was a, a remnant of Jews remaining, but then all types of people started moving in. So it was like a like a hodgepodge of people. They began to develop uh, families kids, the whole nine, and now there's this new community that's got a little bit of Jewish understanding and a lot of worldly understanding all mixed together. And Jews don't like them. Jews don't like them at all. And so this woman is saying, hold on, I'm a Samaritan. What you doing talking to me? But also, if, if that makes me a rung underneath your understanding, if that allows you to look down upon me, there's another reason why you even look down on me a little bit more. I'm a woman. And in this society, in this culture, men don't speak to women. Men definitely don't speak to Samaritan women. So why are you talking to me, Jesus? And I love that even from the outset, we get a God that shows that culture doesn't stop him from loving, from seeing, from acknowledging people. And so he speaks to this woman. Continue me in verse 10. And he says, he answers her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Sometimes you, you, you miss what God is trying to do. Sometimes you don't even see what God is trying to communicate, how God is trying to bless you. I told you all about this some time ago, um, but I'm going to go ahead and make my embarrassment something you can learn from. Amen. Remember, I'm young and I want to be dope. I want to be, yeah, see, my, even my words aren't even young anymore. I wanted to be fly. You know what I'm saying? I was like hype. And, and this brother's on the street. He outside of the jewelry store. He's outside of the jewelry store and he's got gold chains. And I'm like, bet. I know I can't afford what's in the store, but he's holding up the chains outside the store. So I must be able to come up. He said, offers me a chain for $20. I'm like, $20? Then he goes, takes a lighter, lights the chain, doesn't burn, doesn't turn black, doesn't start turning green. So I'm like, cool, I'm about to give me a fresh gold chain. It went through the, it went through the test, and somebody walked by like, don't buy that chain. Now, I'm so focused on the chain, I, I'm, I, I, know, what, I know what they said because I'm telling you it now. So I remembered it, but not enough for it to change my thoughts and my behaviors because all I can see is $20 dope chain. So then I buy the chain. 
and your pastor back in the day, I've always been bad at this, though I wanted to do it. I, I tried to be a hustler for all my life, and it just never works. So I'm like, oh, bright idea. Let me take the chain I just bought to the jewelry store across the street and go triple my money right quick. Walk in there. They start laughing at me, y'all. They got you with this fool's gold, man. What are you bringing this into our store? Like, what, what do you think you're doing? And, and, and in that moment, it was like, bing, 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 all these lights went off. That, that there was a voice that was trying to guide me, but I didn't want to listen. I knew what I wanted. And what I wanted allowed me to shut up the wisdom. It allowed me to, and, and the wisdom was just soft and quiet. Don't buy that. I knew it through better judgment not to buy it. Why would, if, if he could have sold it for $25, he could have just walked in the store. But I wanted what I wanted. And you and I can do the same thing with God at times as God is trying to speak to us. That's why the, these parables are so powerful. Parables are used as a way to communicate God's truth. But oftentimes people in the Bible don't get it right away. It sits with them. And they make a wrong choice. And then their eyes are opened. Oh, that's what he was saying. That's what he was doing. That's what I should have done. Here is happening again. He's trying to tell her, I got this living water for you. And she's like, no, you ain't got no cups. (laughs) Missing it. Missing it. But don't do as I did. Don't have your eyes so fixed on what you want that you don't see that there's a holy, loving God trying to communicate to you to say, no, walk in this way. Move humbly. Come before God and say, Lord, help me see when I don't want to see. Help me to hear when I don't want to hear. Help me to grasp the concept that you're trying to communicate to me so I get it the first time and I don't have to get burned. Help me not to miss it. He's trying to give her water that's going to well up to eternal life, something even greater than a quick fix that she longs for. He wants her thirst to be quenched forevermore. It's important. It's important that as you consider your testimony, you be okay with being humble. Because sometimes when we start talking about testimony and what it means to tell other people about God, we don't include the parts of our testimony when we mess up. We always win in the situation. Yeah, I have God, and um, as long as he's with me, I am blessed and highly favored. You know, like, like we, don't, we don't want folks to see, dang, man, that, that plan looked real good to me, and it was stupid. And God revealed that to me, and I'm sharing it with you in my testimony so that you cannot make the same, same mistakes I did. See, a testimony is beautiful because it talks about the beauty of a holy God. It's not beautiful because it talks about how great we are. And if we can't allow space to let folks know how we missed it, It makes folks tough to relate and understand and feel connected with. Continue with me in verse 16. 
He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. She hit you with a quick whoop whoop. So now Jesus is doing this, this beautiful thing that is painful and that is also a key component of every human being's testimony. Remember, a testimony is us sharing about who God is and how we've experienced him personally. And he does this key thing with her that he does with us, which is expose sin. You can't have a testimony about you loving and knowing a real God if you've never had to deal with your own sin. Now, you may be drawn by the sin of others. You may uh, um, come to a church or go to a, a, a protest. You may like be drawn to go to something, but you realize when you come near a holy God, a God that has no sin in him, that he reveals to you your flaws, your flaws. And if your flaws are something that you can't bring before a holy God, the God who made you, the God that created you, and the God that loves you, then you are knee deep in, in arrogance. That, that's actually part of my personal testimony. I was a dude that thought that I loved God in a good way. I had like three criteria, as long as these three criteria was cool, I was a good Christian. As long as I didn't beat people still and not sleep with a lot of women, I was a good Christian. And so those who did any of those things, I was cool to look down on. Because how could you do that? And it was in some of my foolish stupidity of even at times praying that God showed me, dude, do you realize them three things is dumb? Now, not that they're not that not that in 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 their initial uh, uh, ways in which you started about them. Not as if they can't have a holiness aspect, but the fact that you've made these three things the litmus test of all Christians is dumb. And the fact that you can look down upon someone else as if you are better. See, arrogance and pride will creep in, will, will creep in. Trust me, I know. Let me have your phone. If I put some of the stuff that you like, I'm like, oh, that's good, that's good. Let me see some of the stuff you dislike and how you roll your eyes when you're hitting dislike. How we can look down upon another person's perspective so, so quickly. See, arrogance and pride is, is, is sometimes a lot more difficult to, to ex see exposed than, say, just stealing or, or, I don't know, you pick it, you know, uh, um, cursing if that's, if that's your thing or whatever, whatever, whatever sin that you want to imagine. Some things are like sins that are out front and quite clear, but some sins are in that heart. And God wants to expose it all. He says to this woman, 
I know you don't have a man. We, we can count about five if you want to start talking. Sis, you know, he, go, he goes there deep with her. He, he actually allows there to be this, this clarity of, a, of, of some stuff that's in the dark, some sin that's been hidden that he brings to light. It's got to be a part of your testimony. If there's no actual need for salvation, if there's nothing you need to be saved from, I want to say you might want to talk with God about if you are saved. I can't judge your faith. I don't know where you stand. But it's very difficult to say I'm saved if I'm not saved from something. A general saving does not apply for a personal testimony. Yeah, he saved me from sin. What sin? Well, you know, we all sin. Okay. What sin for you? And the crazy part about a believer is we don't arrive. We don't just get saved. Then there's a constant sanctification process. I, I, don't, I get saved, and then God's like, okay, cool. So you don't trip people like you used to. Now I want you to actually start picking people up. Now I want you to start investing in people. Now I there's new levels of, of, of obedience that God wants us to have and new opportunities for us to say, no, nah, I'm good. See, part of our testimony is that God did something in us and is still doing something in us. We're going to be believers. We don't arrive. Don't get me wrong. There is a new character. That's why we have that so, no, grow, go. Grow is a constant thing, and we don't look like we used to, but we still got some things he's working out in us. And we bring you into that journey as we testify. Look with me in verse 6. Oh, excuse me. Verse, uh, where was I, Lord? Verse 20. Because she did something that was... That was smooth. As I talk about, like, us getting sanctified, she did one of my marriage moves. Okay, hold up. So at verse 20, she says, after he calls her out about these husbands, she says, she says in verse 20, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Hold on. Now, Jesus just talked about her having you see, he said, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you with right now is not your husband. And she said, oh, yeah, well, our ancestors worshiped over there. And then she hit him with a total change of topic. Early in our marriage, wife, you'll be like, now you, you said that you was going to clean this up and then go pay this. And then you know me, because I'm a godly man, I was like, oh, really? Well, what about that time when you didn't do blah, 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 You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, did I take ownership of it? Did I submit? Did I repent? No. I'm like, mm-mm-mm. I've been waiting to tell you about that. You know, change the subject. Try to fire back. Is that godly character? No. Is it common? Yes. And we see this woman who had the opportunity at, at the first step to say, hold on, let me, let, me, let me be broken right now. 
Let me go ahead and, and, and say you got me. Let me go ahead and, and just own what I need to own. That was a, a growth part that God had took me on in our marriage and is still taking me on. No, I've arrived having a baby. Okay, no, no, no. Um, but you see here, family, that, that, that she tries to change the subject about something that's relating to worship. And I love that, that, that Jesus doesn't even take the bait as it relates to place. He doesn't get sucked in to a topic that isn't what's most important at this time. You and I got to be careful. As you give your testimony, folks will try to say stuff to get you off track. Folks will try to say stuff to lure you in so that now you on a, you, on, you debate, find yourself debating about something that you ain't even, what we talking about? Oh, really? So you one of them Christians, huh? One of those high and mighty Christians? See, see, let me, let me, let me try to find what is, what is that aspect of your skin that I can get under? Is it if I talk about your culture? Is it if I talk about your womanhood, your manhood? Is it if I talk about this Bible was something made up by some dude sitting in a room and now you believe in it? Like, like what, what would be the thing that would get under your skin that'll take you all off of testifying about who God is, being focused on the beauty of worship, to now be out talking about See, when we're talking about testimony, don't get it twisted. Satan is present, too. He wants you to get into an argument about nothing that goes all type of sideways. But we stay focused. Stay focused on the point of you sharing, on the point of you bringing people towards a beauty and a clarity of who God is. Look at me in verse 21. It says, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Everyone, family, is drawn in and is worshiping something. You can be worshiping the idol of sports. You can be worshiping the idol of working out. You can worship the idol of your children. You can worship the idol of your job. Everyone is worshiping something. We get the opportunity. We get blessed with the chance to. We get blessed with the, the gifted space to invite someone into the opportunity to worship God. Continue with me in verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 26, then Jesus declared, 
the one speaking to you, I am he. There's this pattern that we find in John where he says these phrases that I am, I am, I am. I am is this, this beautiful statement that connects Jesus Christ to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus Christ letting the world know that he is God. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the one that has made you, that knows every hair on your head, that loves you, that died for you, that fights for you. And so when he says, I am, though she may not know the fullness of it, she is now in the clearer presence of God. But notice what she says in verse 29. Notice that when she goes back to her town, she left the water. I'm starting in verse 28. She leaves her water jar. You got to remember, Jesus met this woman coming to get water. She came with one purpose, but she left with another. This purpose of Oh, really? The cutie pie? Sorry, y'all. It, it got us all. We all saw every head in this room go. <laughs> but, but, but she came with one purpose, to get the jar filled. And sometimes, and I love this, this, this one pastor that was encouraging us in his word. He says that there's beauty sometimes that, that when you get touched by God, you got to leave some things behind to run and celebrate who God is got to be okay with with the plan that maybe you had for how this day was going to go you got to let it go in order to pursue the things of God she left this water jar behind but in verse 29 it says she went back and said come and see a man who told me everything I ever did Ooh, so you're not you're not catching the beauty of everything I ever did. You see, because when she goes back and says that, these are people that were doing life with her, people who would see her, people who peeped her going with dude number two, dude number three, dude number five. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus said he told you everything you did? All that's all the dirt? He, he told you that? You see, these people are people that would have been in it with her, people doing life with her. So if she would have come back like, yeah, let me tell you about a prophet, and uh, he just gave me, you know, five things of water, they'd have been like, okay, cool, let me get a drink. But she goes back and tells them about someone who says, I know the good and I know the bad. I know the highs and I know the lows. I know the beautiful facade and I know the ugly mess inside. He told me everything that I've ever done. But also, does it say here that she was educated? Does it say here that she memorized the Bible? Does it say here that she had given 15 testimonies and 30 people came to Jesus and then she decided to go share her faith? Notice there's no history of accomplishments from this woman. And notice there's nothing that's like super deep. Verse 29 says she come and just told them 
He saw everything I ever did. See, sometimes your testimony is clear and simple. And that can be powerful because God's hands is upon it. See, when we're willing to acknowledge that, that this God saved us, that he broke us, that we are humble enough to realize that, that we can't cover up our sin, but that he sees it all and that he loves us even in the midst of us messing up and that he wants to see us restored. When we're willing to tell others that, that beauty, that truth, oh, man, it can, it can change things. It can, it can affect people. Look at how it affects them. Verse 39, we skip down some. Verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is a savior of the world. Remember, your testimony is the sharing. You're not responsible for the saving. See, the sharing is, 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 is the wingman. You know you'd have been the wingman at some point or the wing woman at some point. See, as the wingman, your goal is to just introduce your boy to the cute girl that he too scared to try to go talk to. But if you do the introduction, you get out the way. See, a testimony is, is, is one where I'm trying to tell you about a holy God, a God that loves you. But there's only so much I can do. My testimony can't save you. Your testimony can't save someone else, but your testimony can introduce them to a holy God that loves them, that now wants to enter into their life, and then that person now has a testimony where they begin to realize all along there was somebody there like, don't do this. You shouldn't do that. They start to remember spaces in their lives where God's presence was there and they didn't realize it. And God illuminates their eyes and now they see and then they tell somebody. And before you know it, there's this crazy ripple effect of folks telling upon telling upon telling about Jesus based on their personal stories. And the reason why the personal story is very, very powerful is because it's tough to challenge. Look, when you didn't have that chicken, and that chicken is really good, somebody else come and say, what, you like that spot? Like my boy like Buddy's Pizza? You know, uh-uh, no. But he loved Buddy's Pizza. I can't challenge his personal testimony of what his taste buds do when he get Buddy's Pizza. But that barbecue chicken from Jet's Pizza, now we can come talk. You know what I'm saying? We can have a discussion. See, when the, when the testimony is yours, it's, 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 I mean, you can push back. You can say what you want to say, but it's, it's not really up for debate. You're not about to change my mind about the experience I had with God. But, I'm, but I'd love to tell you about it. I'd love to welcome you into it. If you want to challenge me, that's cool. Thank you for your time. I'll tell someone else. 
But this experience is one that is real and it is one that is in my heart and I can't help but share it with other people because I know I didn't deserve it. And in me not deserving it, I want to share it with other people who God loves because he wants to see new life and a new community transformed. So family, we get to sow these seeds. We get to know more about God as we have these experiences. We get to grow in God as he uses our testimony to to share with other people. And then we get to go out to a world that's broken. I pray, I pray, I pray that if you feel like all those lies that we've gone over weeks upon weeks as we go through this sermon series of you're not bright enough, or you're not smart enough, or you're not bold enough. You don't have the right words to tell. All those lies that seem to creep in, be okay with a simple sentence. Man, God is good, and he called me out on some stuff, and I'd love to tell you about it. That can be enough to transform someone else's life. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. I pray for two groups in the room, Lord. Group number one are believers that have walked with you for a long time, and it's been weeks, days, actually it's been months, for some even years, since they've shared their testimony. They seem, Lord, as if the testimony's been put on the back burner, and the reasons why, I don't know. Maybe some feel that they've graduated beyond testimony, and they want to have higher level of engagement about the gospel. Praise you, Father, for them using the higher level, but may they never hide their testimony. Maybe others are believers that were experienced pain as they tried to share their testimony. Folks laughed at them or belittled them, Father, and they just don't want to feel humiliated again as they try to share their faith. God, would you break through and give them the confidence they need? But then there's, Lord, a group of non-believers or maybe even believers that have a warped view of you and don't think they have a testimony. Don't think you can use their story or, Lord, have not yet had a saving experience with you. Would you, Father, meet them? Renew their mind, Lord. Let them experience you, and they will know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a loving God that exposes their sin, not to humiliate them and bring on shame, Lord, but to lead them towards holiness and see them redeemed. God, would you do a work in their hearts, that they would be able to experience you and willing to share you with a broken world. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Father. It's in your holy name we pray.